Welcome to the Randup Podcast, where we delight in exploring what brains do with words and how creating a unique brand voice will make your business the one to remember and buy from. I've lost count of the founders I've spoken to who are awesome at what they do, but struggle to communicate about it. Once you harness your amazing brain and turn its genius to your brand voice, magic will happen. I'm your host, Andy Ferguson. Today, as ever, I invite you to listen in and try something new because who knows what might be possible if you really couldn't get it wrong. Hello. Today's episode is all about forces that influence your brand and how they're critical to shaping deep and lasting relationships with clients who are thrilled to buy from you. Now, I'm not talking about but rather about different forces that shape what you say and how you say it on behalf of your brand. And often they're forces that you're not even aware of. None of us really are, unless we are like me and spend time geeking out about it. We'll look at what I call internalized forces. So three of those and three external forces that really act as filters for what you say, whether you know it or not. You might be thinking, uh, what are you talking about? I don't filter when I write or speak. Yes, you do. We all do. In fact, I hope you do. When you were a kid, you learned to filter language around grown-ups. You knew who you could drop an F-bomb around and when you needed to mind your P's and Q's. We learned to filter super early and we don't stop. It's a constant, tiny focus group that we're running our whole lives long. Humans are doing market research all the time with our communication. Now, as a woman in my late 40s, I'm a little less interested in what the response is in the sense of I just have fewer f**ks to give. But I still want, when I communicate, to make sure on a personal level that what I'm sharing is respectful and kind and honoring to the other person. Does it mean I'm being nice? Hell no. But it does mean that I am mindful of consent and I am mindful of kindness and I'm mindful of directness in my personal interactions. When I'm communicating here with you on the podcast, I'm very mindful and try to have everything that I'm sharing be clear and easy for you to access and understand. I could be talking to you about a gajillion things around branding and brand voice and strategy, but in these episodes, I am mindful and try to be honoring of you as my listener to give you just enough information that you feel satiated, but not so much that you feel overwhelmed. So we're constantly filtering. And as founders, we do the same thing with our brands as they grow, consciously or not. Today, I'm encouraging you to get really conscious about which filters you're using to shape your communication and what factors you do or don't want to pay attention to as you shape your brand's voice. Why are you choosing certain words? How are you shaping your messages? What's actually driving your choices? Let's focus on two factors that influence the way that you communicate. 
We'll call them internalized factors and generative factors. First, let's look at internalized factors. These are the ones that we usually don't even notice because we acquire them as we grow up, and that's normal. The way we communicate is always shaped by our family, our language, and our culture of origin. It affects our mindset, any trauma that we've had, that we store in our cells and in our body that are constantly coming back and reminding us, danger, don't do that, don't say that, don't go here, don't show up that way. Prejudice that we carry, whether it's something we're aware of or not, it comes through our words, whether we want it to or not, when it's there, people can sense it and feel it. And because we're the spokespeople for our brands, it comes through. <laughs> it is incredibly difficult to hide that stuff. And if you are trying to hide things through your brand, which I don't think you will be if you're listening to me, people will feel it. They'll feel it. Something's off. The way that we communicate is also shaped by something really critical, an internalized factor, fear. Fear is massive. And we're going to talk about that. So over time, we internalize all of these factors, family, language, culture of origin, mindset, prejudice, expectations of others. I mean, the list, I made it brief, <laughs> could be very long. So we internalize these factors. And I want to take a second also to recognize that, of course, we also internalize a lot of good stuff too, right? As we move through life. And we skillfully put those things that we've internalized to work for our brands. That's awesome. Keep turning to those positive things that uplift you, like self-belief and encouragement that you might have received or tenacity that you might have developed over your life. All of that is super helpful. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's go back to those other ones. Those more negative, we'll call them, internalized factors. As much as I insist that you are not your brand, so much so that I dedicated a whole podcast to that, so you can go back and listen to that episode. You are not your brand, but as the founder and spokesperson of your brand, you do shape your brand with your lived experience. So let's look at those three internalized factors I mentioned. Let's start with trauma. It's huge. There's no way I'll cover everything about trauma. I'm not necessarily trained in trauma-informed anything, but it is something that I see coming up over and over in my own work and also with my clients. For example, if you carry a lot of trauma around speaking out or speaking up, then it is completely unfair and unrealistic, it's unkind really to yourself to expect that you're going to be loud and confident and consistent at communicating for your brand. I often talk about how, as a founder, you're the voice of your brand and it's separate from you. But even when you're wearing the spokesperson hat, because you have the marketeer hat and the finance hat and the admin hat and the team leader hat and all of the other things, maybe you're, you're a maker, you have dozens of hats in your business. Whichever hat you're wearing, though, underneath the hat, you're still you. Trauma travels. It seeps into your brand's voice and your audience feels it, even if they don't realize it consciously. 
If communicating feels unsafe, it is so difficult to do it confidently. It doesn't matter if objectively, it's not unsafe to talk about the thing that you're making or that you're selling. I know a brilliant founder. She's highly skilled. She has decades of experience. She's so efficient and she's so incredibly smart and she's a mom and she has loads of things going on in many different areas of her life. Let's call her Trisha. She worked in a global communications agency, in fact, in a number of them, and she's a whiz at what she does, except that she had the misfortune of meeting a few bosses who just didn't agree. In her last job, she was really badly bullied. Trisha's bosses succeeded in what they wanted to do. They broke her. They broke her confidence so much that she eventually left her job and she actually left her whole industry and stayed home with her kids. She spent years nursing herself back to a quite fragile degree of mental health. And when she started her own business, guess what? It was all still there. The trauma that Trisha carries is real. Does it affect how she shows up for her business? Does it shape the individual words that she uses to share her phenomenal skills and how she speaks them? Every single day. Is trauma a smart, useful, good guide for business decisions? Absolutely not. Thankfully, Trisha's found support and she has a massive cheerleading squad uplifting her. I'm lucky enough to know her and I count myself among those people who cheer her on. But those internalized factors like trauma, like fear, they're tricky buggers. And they can easily take your business off course because they change how your brand speaks and what you offer in the first place. Fear is another internalized factor that isn't really a great guide for shaping your brand's voice or communicating overall. Worrying about what your family or your friends, teachers, mentors, or colleagues might say if you actually speak out, if your brand takes a stand, if you're recognized for the work you do, that worry, that fear holds so many clients back and colleagues too, people who I've worked alongside for many years. The experience of fear is real, it's visceral, and it stunts your growth if you act out of avoidance. You don't wanna experience the fear again, and that makes sense. No one wants to relieve trauma. No one wants to feel afraid. And so your body, your experience, your cells are telling you, no, don't do it. You might be thinking, why are you talking about this, Anne? I'm talking about it because running a business brings those internalized forces, those fears front and center and presses hard on all those tender bits that we all carry. Ever felt nervous if you're about to talk in public? Have you ever felt the wild wobble in your intestines when you sent your first email to a growing list? When you're nervous or you're tense, it physically affects your vocal cords. It also affects the way that you put words together on paper and that you share them with your voice, metaphorically or physically, your brand's voice. Often, women sound really apologetic and they minimize their offering or look for ways to somehow be pleasing because that's what we have been taught. Our culture 
tells us to be nice and to share and to give and to take care of. It's so familiar to us as women, so common and so harmful to your brand. There's a woman called Denise Duffield Thomas. She's the author of Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, and Chillpreneur, and I'm part of a community of hers called the Lucky Bitch Community. And I remember seeing her in London a few years ago, and she told a story about how men will make a thing, and they'll show you the thing, and they'll say, hey, I made this thing, and it's awesome. You want it? It costs 500 bucks. No? Okay, whatever. They walk away and find the next person. Hey, I made this thing. It's awesome. You want it? It costs 500 bucks. And they will keep going and going and going. Now, of course, not every man is this way. Of course, they don't all have this very simple, straightforward confidence. Of course they don't. But there is a difference between that, which is what you often see, and what she described seeing with women who come into her community to change their money mindset. She talks about how so many women offer their product or their service indirectly, kind of through the back door, apologizing, saying, oh, oh, this, oh yeah, yeah, I made this. Um, oh, I, I just, I just made it. It's, it's just, it's just a little thing. Um, it, it's okay if you don't like it. Um, do you know what, you know, I'll give you a discount if you want to buy one. And, and, and if you get one, I'll give you a second one for free. Or you know what, actually you can just have it. And as she told this story in London, the auditorium erupted into laughter, but it was nervous, uncomfortable laughter because so many of the women in that room had had that experience, myself included. This shit runs deep. Internalized messages around visibility, your worth, your value, any money stories that you might have or issues, and your mindset, which is essentially the result of internalized factors, they have a massive impact on how you communicate about your brand and on behalf of your brand. Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, talks about perfectionism and fear. And she talks about how fear just cannot be driving the car. Fear can't be driving your business bus either. It might get a seat way at the back, but it cannot be driving the bus, holding the map at the time, <laughs> or controlling the GPS, or even the radio. It cannot be the main factor or filter through which you run your business. If fear is driving the bus, and I'll be honest, I face fear on the regular, and so do every single one of the entrepreneurs in my accountability group of colleagues and every single one of my clients, even people who are smashing it online and in real life feel fear. But if fear is driving your business bus, you can be sure it won't get very far because you're going to be communicating that fear whether you know it or not. So what other factors might you internalize? Well, trends, trends can be big. Have you ever felt influenced by something happening in your industry or things your competitors are doing? Simply, have you done a reel lately? Ever twerked on TikTok? Found yourself lip syncing to a song to get the clicks, even if it doesn't really align to your brand? How about following the recommendations from mentors who know what you should do or other entrepreneurs? I have this great idea, I totally think you should. Or things that you see industry leaders doing. Maybe you saw somebody having a big win with a specific, specific, 
specific. <laughs> Maybe you saw someone having a big win with a specific positioning or business strategy, and you thought, yeah, I'll have some of that. But maybe it fell flat. The thing is, just because something is a home run for someone else, it might not be a fit for you and your brand. In next week's episode, I'll share what I suggest doing instead to stay in your own lane, even when the grass looks greener on the other side. But before that, let's get to the third internalized factor that can throw your brand voice and business way off course. Shoulds. When I say that word, inside my mind's eye, I see it dripping with toxic sludge. It's awful. The number of actions we take in business, the offers we make, the marketing tactics, and even specific phrases you use because you should. I'll go into some of these in another podcast because I actually have the plan to do a podcast about words specifically. But just as a teaser, some of my most loathed phrases at the moment are... If you don't invest in yourself, your business will never grow. Or act fast. Or the perennially juicy, I know your whatever they purport to know. Gross. They're all things that my clients have been told they should say, but they fit their brands like an itchy sweater. And that means they didn't communicate freely and openly about their offerings. And then they flopped. And then they felt bad about themselves instead of recognizing that they were following someone else's should, dripping toxic sludge, instead of following their own guidance. Shoulds make me shudder. Okay, we talked about some not so helpful internalized factors and where they can trip up your brand and how you communicate with your audience and your clients. There's a second category of factors that are more helpful. Let's call those the generative factors because they help you generate better ideas and offer more sound guidance for your business. Generative factor number one, context. What is going on around your people, around your business, in the world? What's happening in your people's lives? What is their financial reality right now? Not what was it six months ago or last time you launched, right now. What's their cultural context right now? What's shifting politically, economically, environmentally, socially? If you don't know, find out, ask. Katie Tucker of Product Jungle is a fantastic one to follow for ideas on how to do smart and quick and effective market research as a small business founder. I'll link to her in the show notes. It's so important to know what's actually going on with your audience. And it's really smart to check in with it on the regular. Have actual conversations with people. Do some research. And as soon as you know something for sure, like you're sure, I know this for sure about my people, I challenge you to check it again. Because as soon as a for sure beds in, you stop being curious. And that means that your language, your messaging, your words potentially can get stale. Data you gathered six months ago might not apply right now. Check it. Change what you're saying if your audience's context and circumstances have changed. You might have heard the advice to use the actual words that people share with you and repeat them back as you're selling your thing. It's a good strategy. 
as long as you do it with permission from your people, obviously. But the thing is, check if the words are still true, because they might not be. Take right now. We're two years into a pandemic. In my house, we're three out of four people deep in the virus. As I record, I'm the last woman standing. People today are spending much differently than they were a year ago, and definitely differently than when this whole shebang kicked off two years ago. Entrepreneurs are more careful, and many of you are feeling the squeeze of an ever more crowded market as suddenly people who are working only offline came galloping into this nirvana of being online. That means it's likely that whatever you knew about your clients a year ago has changed. That is exciting! Does it mean more work for you? In the short term. But it's so boring saying the same thing again and again. You're evolving. The market is evolving. Your brand is evolving. Your people are evolving. So it stands to reason that your messaging and the individual words that you string together also need to evolve. Your communication and your brand's voice will ebb and flow. And when you create the grace for that to happen, it'll bring a sense of ease into your conversations with your clients. That's good. So that was generative factor one, context. Generative factor two is where you want to position your business and your offer. Where does your offer fit? Where does it fit in your client's journey? Where does it fit in their life? Where does it fit in their business? Where does it fit in the panoply of offerings that you have? Where do you sit on the pricing scale? Where are you relative to your competitors? Asking yourself these questions allows you to make educated decisions about your offering every day. And what we're very interested in in this podcast, it allows you to mindfully choose how to talk about your offerings. But as much as you can, try to not talk about your offerings relative to others, A, because it draws attention to others, but especially not if you're hopping on a trend. If you find a trend that makes sense and supports where you're going, then great. If you know you've been wanting to pivot for a while and there's a new phenomenon that helps you do it, great. If it takes you towards the positioning you're aiming for, go for it. If you can talk about your positioning and your brand and your offer and showcase your brand in alignment with your brand's voice and using your brand's voice in integrity, then have at it and enjoy. The third generative factor that I want to talk about today is what your people are able to receive. This also connects into my earlier point about data, about information versus assumptions. You might have exciting, amazing insights, ideas, and offers to share with your people. But what if they're not ready? This story is still a little sensitive to share, but I'm going to be brave and share it with you anyway. About five years ago, I took a huge swerve off my lifelong career path of PR, media training, marketing, and messaging. Living in Geneva, continents away from Canada, where I come from, London, where I've lived, Spain, where I had my first child, 
I felt lonely as hell. I was raising two kids, very close in age. My partner was traveling 80% of the time, and I was really isolated. I'd been learning about online business. I'd had a yoga business for a while, also a swerve. Love teaching yoga. Good for the soul and away from the computer. But I decided to create a business specifically online. I dreamt up a community of mums so that you could have a global community of women in similar situations to mine at the time. You could have that community in your pocket whenever you needed it and wanted it. I had a whole plan of self-love and self-care for them. I was going to help them put themselves first, reconnect to themselves so they wouldn't drown their spirits in motherhood like I felt that I had drowned mine. So far, so brilliant, right? All the feedback I got from people I spoke to told me so. Except back then, I couldn't get the positioning or the audience quite right. I was trying to sell the community to moms who were so snowed under that they didn't even know what their favorite ice cream was anymore. My offer was awesome. It was solid. The price was great, but it was aimed at people who couldn't receive it. Those mamas couldn't hear me for the most part. They were barely treading water. I remember hosting a workshop here in Geneva and asking the women who were in the room what they did for fun. I will never forget the blank looks they gave me, the tears that filled their eyes, the anguish immediately followed by crushing guilt, admitting that they weren't fulfilled and happy living in this gorgeous place with relatively wealthy lives, some very wealthy, caring for their children, admitting that was impossible. I learned the hard way even with the best messaging in the world, giving that messaging to the wrong people, to an audience that wasn't ready to receive what I was offering, didn't help me create and grow the business I knew that I could have grown. I was offering a place to plug into all the fun they'd want to have, all of themselves that they wanted to connect with. But the women I was reaching could barely remember how to spell fun. They weren't able to receive what I was offering or grasp the ideas and encouragement I had right here for them. It was like a game of broken telephone. They weren't picking up what I was laying down because I was talking to the wrong people or I was talking to the right people about the wrong thing. The mamas I was talking to, mostly, immediately needed someone to help them find support on the daily. When they had that in place, Maybe they'd be able to create the time to remember what they liked and start to dream about what they wanted. But that wasn't the business I wanted to create. I had my idea and I couldn't make the two fit. So I shifted gears and went back to copywriting and messaging with some really painful big lessons in my pocket. I see it happening again and again with my clients and they get so frustrated. It can happen at any point in business too. You're on a roll. You've had launch after launch and they've gone really well and suddenly something flops. It's worth asking, are you meeting your people where they are right now? Are they actually hearing what you're saying? 
Are they able to? Are you being clear? Or is what you're saying confusing somehow? They're all good things to think about and important ones if you want your business to keep growing. That feels like a good place to stop for today. So let's recap. First, we talked about the internalized forces that might be shaping your brand's voice. We looked at trauma, fear, and the nefarious power of toxic shoulds. We also talked about the generative forces that could helpfully shape your offering and how you talk about it with your brand's voice. We talked about context and how that shapes what's going on for your people and the importance of being sensitive to their context by doing the research and digging into juicy data as opposed to assumptions or old news. We talked about carefully choosing your positioning and we looked at the importance of meeting your people where they are and the importance of communicating with them in ways that increase the chance of them actually receiving what you're saying so you don't get your wires crossed. In next week's episode, I'll talk to you about filters that I recommend you have in place and that are core to what I teach about brand voice and creating a brand voice and why having those very specific filters in place will get you moving much faster towards your next business goal. Those filters will help you sharpen your communication and they'll make sure you reach the right people who can actually hear what you're saying, are ready to receive it, and can't wait to buy from you. All thanks to your brand voice. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Brand Up Podcast, your hub for all things brain, voice, and brand. Want to dive deeper into the fascinating world of brand voice? Let's connect on socials at I am Andy Ferguson. You can also visit me on my website. The link to that is in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review so this podcast can reach more bright business founders just like you and share it with other wonderful minds, neurodiverse or otherwise. Remember, this is your chance to brand up because it's your brain, your voice and your brand after all. I'm Andy Ferguson saying speak soon and bye for now.